this the dagger? Illegal substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block and the sideline. He has not stepped out, he may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up, what a move, shoots, scores! Everybody, welcome to the Outsiders, powered by the Macintosh Group at Remax River City. I'm Bryn Griffiths. He is Robin Brownlee, and our guest on this podcast today is Dan O'Toole. How you doing? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me here. Has summer hit yet in Edmonton? Hi, kinda, kinda. It's thinking about it. Yeah, it's pondering. <laughs> yeah, and Bryn and I were having a good laugh before you you, you came on with us. What we want to know is this. Okay. Now that you've joined uh, us in the we're going a different direction club. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing and what are you doing? Well, I'm doing the same as you guys trying to figure this out as we go. Uh, reinventing yourself. I uh, didn't think I'd have to do that at the age of 46, but I don't know if you guys are the same, but I've found it fun. And in a weird way, I've become a better broadcaster because I now have to fill time on my own. Because when I worked with Jay, when I wasn't talking, someone else was. Now when I'm not talking, it's dead air. So, yeah, in a weird, uh, in a weird world, I've become better at a profession that I've been doing since well, well, for twenty some odd years. So, yeah, I, I found the positivity in it all. And isn't it amazing that it takes something like this or a life health challenge to? to help you kind of refocus a little bit, especially as we get into our forties and fifties, there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with the new outlook on things because I was doing a job for 20, the same job for essentially 20 years. And since I'm not doing it, since I'm not sitting there at work watching and doing highlights every night, I've become a fan of sports again. It's almost like a rebirth because if you're doing the same thing over and over, you aren't thinking, oh man, I hope this game goes to overtime. You're thinking, I hope this game doesn't go to overtime because I got to stay here later and then wait for post clips. Yeah. Get this game over with. So our producer at the time, who's now a producer on my podcast, uh, producer Tim, we would always make fun of him. His dream game in any sport would be three or like five, two or three, nothing <laughs> because there's no drama. Yeah. You don't have to worry about a perfect game or a hat trick. It's just boredom and you're out of here on time. Dan, you were, you're 46 years old now. You're still a young, I mean, you're still a relatively young guy. Oh, thanks. I, I think, no, I mean, it's true. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm 60. I'll, I'll take, I'll take your age over 63 <laughs> okay. for any time. But, you know, I was 48 years old when, uh, the publisher at my paper said, uh, uh, it's not you, it's us. Turn in your card, out you go. And now you're going, holy you-know-what, uh, what do I do now? I only knew how to do one thing, and I'm not even a broadcaster. I'm a, I'm a newspaper guy. Um, so it's an interesting journey since then. Your journey's been a little bit shorter. It hasn't been that long. A lot of people know about 
the trip down to the U.S. for Fox, mm-hmm. uh, the the great. I thought you and you and Jay were great together at TSN. Uh, but how much adjustment in this last year or so for you? Because it's a big change. You're still age wise in mid career. Yeah, but then I was uh, thinking about age, and I was talking to uh, my daughter Ruby the other day, and I'm like, if I live to only 86 that means i'm past the halfway point of my life so the conversation got very grim it got very dark and i'm like okay let's change this but uh yeah i had to reinvent myself and figure out what the hell i i was actually told by former bosses because reaching out to them saying hey do you know anyone hiring he's like no no one's hiring right now and one of them actually said dan you might be done in the business and i'm like oh okay so what do I do? Do I sell insurance? I don't know how to do it. I have no serviceable skills. I have, uh, I have grew up on a farm. I've worked as a dishwasher and um, I worked at a car wash. So I'm like, hmm. which one of skills can I do as a 46 year old? Uh, because all of them seem like they will hurt my body. So yeah, what I did was after I got laid off, um, I also found out there's a difference between being laid off and fired. I didn't yes. know that. Yes, there is. Yeah. So, so I was laid off cause I kept saying I got fired. Um, I did a little thing on Instagram in which I told Canadian companies cause it was right at the start of the pandemic, send me your products and I'll advertise them on my Instagram for free. And then I started making these videos and up until that point, I'd never edited a single video in my life. And then I started to love the process of editing these and doing voiceovers and adding music to them. I'm like, I like being creative. So it kind of, again, just got the juices going, just like becoming a fan of sports again uh, when you're removed from it. So it, it gave me the, the hope that, okay, I can still stay in this industry. And then what was it about six? Oh, I don't even know when it happened, but when all these, these uh, gaming uh, platforms wanted to start advertising and started looking at Ontario. They, I got approached by four of them. And the one that I uh, went with was one out of the States named bet rivers. And um, they just said, we know what we're doing and we want you to do whatever you want. I'm like, do really? I have to do a pot? Yeah. They, I said, sure. do I have to do a podcast in which I just talk about the, the spreads and the over unders? They're like, no, you can do whatever you want. And I'm like, okay, sign me up. And I pitched them the idea of, of doing a show from my basement. They're like, yeah, do it. Go nuts. So that, uh, that's what got me back into this industry was just the, the free reign to do whatever I wanted. And it's essentially an extension of a podcast Jay and I used to do the Jay and Dan podcast. Uh, so this is just a, a continuation of that in a way. It's kind of like better call Saul's continuation of breaking bad. It's an offshoot of that. The only thing is you can say shit. On a podcast, you can't but say I that beep on it. I beep it anyway, because here's the thing, because I want in our old podcast, in our old job, we used to love when we go to events and and families would come up to us and say, we watch your show every morning or we listen to your podcast while we're driving around. And I'm like, yeah. I want to continue that. I want families to listen to it on the way to the hockey game or whatever. So we beep it out. People say, you don't need to do that. And I'm like, well, I want my mom to listen too. And she yeah. might say, Dan, you're swearing too much. But if it's beeped, then I'm okay. <laughs> Okay, before we start talking about the TSN thing and talking about Jay and talking about Fox, let's go way back a little bit here. 
we haven't yeah. we hadn't talked we had a great conversation last week by the way i loved we it did. i was driving in to work and we talked for about 20 minutes it was a great catch up because we hadn't talked in about i don't know what maybe 15 or 20 years at so, least so when i knew you for the very first time you were at fort mac but where did you go to get to fort mac before you went from fort mac to toronto can we go back that far okay yeah yep. i started at algonquin college in ottawa i took radio broadcasting and then uh, in a couple months into the second year, because we had job boards, this was pre-internet. Well, the internet was there, but we had one computer for the whole class. Yeah. So uh, on the job board, it was a job posting for airborne traffic reporter in Vancouver. So I'm like, okay, that sounds fun. And the interview was in Toronto. So I went to Toronto and I got the job. It was a great negotiation. Uh, they were like, uh, so how much do you want to make? I'm like, I don't know, 20000 They're like, how about less? Anyways, we <laughs> ended up on $14,000. <laughs> so they kept saying, uh, no, less, no mm -hmm. less. And I had to, so the, the pilot had to fly the Cessna from Toronto to Vancouver. I had to drive his car out. It was a, like a 1982 Toyota Dracel. No working heat, no working radio, no working speedometer. And I didn't get paid for the trip out there. So anyway, that was my first job. I did 501 flights flying around in a Cessna. And then while at that job, I saw a job posting for Fort McMurray, Alberta to do the play-by-play -play for the oil barons. So I sent a resume up there. They hired me. And before I took that job, I went and bought a map. I'm like, I need to see where this place is. I open up the map. It, and I look, I'm like, oh, it says an arrow and it says to Fort McMurray. So I went to a place that was not on the map. So <laughs> Fort McMurray was not even on the map I bought. And then while I was there, I did the play by play in the morning sports. And then I started to get into TV because I, uh, I went to the local Shaw cable station and a man by the name of CJ Phillips. He's like, yeah, you go out and shoot. We'll put it together, put a demo tape together, sent that to Vancouver Actually, while I was in Fort McMurray, I actually did CFRN uh, Stringer reporting. The local stuff. So I did stuff. the Fort McMurray. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and it was all fluff pieces because I didn't get paid if I didn't give them any stories. And if I was in the story, I got like 150 bucks. So I'd do stories on dog washes and like I'd call up our local MLA and I'm like, Can you, yeah, I got, I got something to talk about. So it was just a lot of makeup stories. Yeah. Um, so I sent that tape to Vancouver. And then they said, get a year's experience and we'll hire you. That was at CKVU in, uh, in Vancouver, which became City TV. So I was there for the launch of City TV. I got my year's experience. They called me a year to the day, went there. And then I was on that job for about nine, 10 months when Mark Millier, my former boss at TSN, one day I went into work and I had a voicemail waiting. And I picked it up. He said, Dan, this is Mark Millier from TSN. If this is on uh, speakerphone, please take it off. Uh, but we'd like to talk to you about a job at TSN. But I had the greatest job ever. I was uh, dating Miss Molson Indian Vancouver. I was doing the six o'clock sports. I'm living in one of the, the greatest cities in the world. And I'm like, I talked to him. I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. This happened like three, four times. And then he got Blake Price, who was uh, in Toronto at the time to call me and say, no, no, it's a good job. Got James Duffy to call me, say, no, nah, no, nah, it's a good job. So in that instance, I was a good negotiator because they thought I was brilliant holding out and then yeah. finally someone said well they might not call again so you should take this job so and that's how i ended up in toronto and that would have been in 2002 i made the move to to toronto now 
when you're from Edmonton or Vancouver, or, well, not so maybe so much Vancouver, when you get that gig in Toronto, I remember guys who've been here who've gone on to do that. Uh, you know, lately, uh, you know, Ryan Rashog is the correspondent here. Yep. I've been doing it for a, a long time. You know, I, Dutch from ITV went out there and, and uh, um, you know, has had a, a good career there. It's like, wow, you've made it. Were you a wow, you've made it guy when this finally came around uh, before the reality and the demands of the actual gig itself came into play? I thought you oh, were a wow, you course. made it guy when, when you were dating Miss Molson Indy. <laughs> I was. I was at the time. Yeah. Uh, but getting to, to TSN. Yeah. You're you are thinking, OK, I'm on the show that I could never see because growing up on a farm, I never got TSN. And the only time we got to see it was when we went to a hotel. Yeah. And whenever I tuned it on, it was always like a lumberjack challenge. I'm like, what the hell? How am I going <laughs> to? So I didn't get to see all the anchors and grow up with them. I grew up with uh, Jim Taddy and uh, and uh, Mark Hebsher uh, on Sportsline oh, yeah. and Glo on Global in Toronto. That's but yeah, you get there, you get the bright lights and everything. And it's it's a tremendous experience. I was working weekends, uh, wasn't paired with Jay until 2004. Um, but yeah, you get there. And it's just so iconic with Canadian sports that you're on the flagship network yeah. that everyone watches. So it was a very exciting experience at that time. I, I probably needed it for an ego in which I was blossoming at that time. Uh, and now later in life, I'm like, I don't need to be on TV. It doesn't, it doesn't get you better tables at restaurants or anything. I plus all the restaurants I go to is no problem getting into. So uh, at that time, I probably thought it was a, a great thing. And um, yeah, it, it was a tremendous experience and a tremendous place to land. With that exposure, do you remember the first few times where you'd go out maybe to a Safeway and you're shopping and somebody comes up to you in the produce section? Do you, do you remember a couple of those first occasions where you started recognizing that, wow, uh, this is kind of crazy? Um. Not really for TSN. The one time I remember, though, the first time I got asked for an autograph or a picture was in Fort McMurray when I was just doing radio up there. And yeah. I was like emceeing um, Stampede Wrestling had come to town. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm emceeing and this kid like between matches he's like, hey, Dan, can I have your autograph? And I was of the mindset. I'm like, oh, he's probably making fun of me. Like, oh, you think you're so big time. Uh, uh, give me your autograph. So I didn't give it to him. But he was actually this you poor bastard. little kid just because I thought he was making fun of me. That's I, I was so in my own head at that time. I'm like, no chance anyone wants my autograph. I'm doing stampede wrestling. I'm not even getting paid for this. <laughs> Do you remember your first autograph? Who, who you got? Do you remember your very first autograph? Oh, uh, yes, that would have been this man right here. Garth Orge. Really? Yeah, I went uh, to a game with a friend from school and. They had uh, the meet and greets after games. Then it was a, it was a different time. So it was him and um, Dave Steve. So I got him and Dave Steve's autograph and I didn't really care about Dave Steve's. I wanted Garth's. <laughs> wow. That explains, that explains the picture because I was checking, I was checking out your very first uh, Boomsies podcast. Yep. And I saw Garth there and the, I thought, okay, that's an odd one. Must ask, make note to self, ask about <laughs> Garth Orge. Here's the, the reason I loved was, him. 
Did somebody think your podcast was called Bubbles? Is that, is that yes? That's Ian at the store. He thought it was called Bubbles. And if you um, voice command it into your search on your TV, it comes up boobies. Nice. So, well done. <laughs> but the reason I like Garth was, and I didn't say this because he actually came on the podcast as one of my dream guests, is because he was like all three of us. He wasn't like filled with amazing amount of talent. He had to work his ass off. And I'm like, I could maybe be this guy. I could be Garth Orge. And that's why I looked up to him because he was just a bare bones talent guy that made it work for nine or 10 seasons in the big leagues. Wow. Hey, Robin, do you remember your first autograph? Mine was Jean Beliveau. That's how old I am. I'm of a particular wow. vintage. Oh, wow. It's funny how hard you remember to, that. Uh, hard to beat that. You know what? My first one, and this is, I'm, I'm trying to think of how old I would be. This was at the... Coquitlam Sports Center in the suburbs of Vancouver mm -hmm. at a senior hockey game in which uh, you'll remember the name Paul Schmier was oh, yeah. playing before. I'm in little Coquitlam Sports Center in the side door with an usher beside them looking very dutiful, dutiful, walks Jerry Korab, Bobby Hull, and oh, wow. Stan Makita. Wow. They're coming to watch Paul Schmier play. They're in Vancouver to play the Canucks. The Blackhawks are there to play the Canucks. I'm like, I slip around the dutiful usher who's not letting anybody get past near to them. And I got the audit. I managed to get Korab and Hull, uh, but not Makita. And uh, that was like I won the lottery before there was a lottery. It was great. By the way, Paul Schmier, here's a little trivia for you. Uh, an oiler captain right? But he, there's one difference. He's the only captain on the Edmonton Oilers who ever wore, he wore it, a K instead of yep. a C. That's because uh, we, I think it was the big thing back in the seventies, the uh, Soviet teams would come over and their captains always had a K, not a C. I don't know. I have no idea why Paul ever went with a K, but it's uh, one of those things I remember from watching. That's games. great trivia. I like that. The old Edmonton gardens, not even the Coliseum. It hadn't even been built yep. yet. Okay, let's uh, like get back on track here. Okay, so how did you meet Jay then in 2004? How did that uh, happen? So we, well, we met because we were working together. We just not paired together. So Jay was paired with Jennifer Hedger on the 2 a.m. Eastern show. And Blake Price, who I previously mentioned, was paired with uh, Darren Detition. So Blake had to move back to Vancouver uh, because they needed help with a, a small family and uh, his wife and his own uh, family lived in Vancouver. Sorry, uh, Remy is popping into camera here. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, that's the thing. It's a free reign down here. So Blake moved back to Vancouver. So Jennifer got moved, moved up with Darren Detition, where she still is now. And I got moved off weekends and paired with Jay. So if Blake Price had never moved back to BC. I don't know if I'd ever be paired with Jay. Wow. So Jay always says, I was working with Jennifer Hedger, and then they put me with you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. One thing, I'm, sometimes you meet somebody, you get into, okay, you're working with this guy, you're working the beat with this guy or the desk with that person. Did it take you long before you knew that uh, you had the same sense of humor, you had some things in common that, you were going to have a lot of fun and that it would morph into what it morphed into. Uh, well, I knew watching Jay because 
when I first started there, everyone was like, oh, have you met Jay yet? And I'm like, oh, kind of. We're just on different schedules. When we got paired together, then you, you start hanging out more, obviously. And, yeah. and then we really bonded over a, a comedy team of Tim and Eric. They have a show called Tim and Eric. Awesome show. Great job. And we just would trade clips of that, trade DVDs of that. And we found out we both loved insane kind of humor. And then the longer you work with someone, the longer you get to know them. And Jay always, I always point back to something he said at me, said to me in the first few months of shows. So Jay would do his like funny stuff. And I wasn't a comedian. I was just doing sports and thinking, uh, okay, I need to throw a joke in here or there. We went to a commercial break and he said something and I said something at the end of it. And he kind of just said to me, not in a mean way. He's like, if it's not funny, just don't say anything at all. So I'm like, and that's a great, that's yeah. a great thing for young broadcasters to learn because y- the dread is dead air. Mm. And with most of our bits and later we got in our career, we knew not to jump on each other's lines or anything. And when the line is perfect, don't add to it because it's just a throwaway line and it, it's not going to, it's going to make it less funny. So just leave it. Just don't say anything is one of the greatest tips he ever gave me. And that's what, uh, that's what helped our, our partnership and the fact that we never had a fight in or an argument in like 20 years, it, the entire work together. Funny you should mention that because I remember it might've been Jerry Seinfeld. There's a numerous comedians who said that they thought one of the funniest comedians ever, and this will force a lot of the audience to go to Google and that's fine. Do it. But they talked about Jack Benny and how Jack Benny back in the day could get a laugh by saying absolutely nothing. <laughs> yes. And that's because 100%. people knew what he, he was all about. They knew his character. They knew his shtick. And by saying nothing was funnier than actually saying something. So I totally get that. But you guys, you know, you take a look at all the famous comedy teams from way back when. There, there's a certain dynamic that has to be there. There has to be the straight guy who's just as funny as the alleged funny guy. And then there has to be the crazy funny guy who also has to be able to help the straight man be funny. And it just, there's a teamwork thing there that either happens or doesn't happen. And with you guys, mm-hmm. it just seems so natural. Yeah. And it got better with age. Like I always point this out in interviews now is our old stuff. And like they played a top 10 before we left to the States. And I cringe at all that stuff because I was not a good broadcaster and I was still figuring out what I was doing. The last four years of shows from 2017, when we got back to Canada until 2021, when I was let go, those are Jay and I's favorites. The, the shows we did because we were going along at such a good clip and we had just had previous experience working in an entire other country. We came back, we got our own, uh, as we, the joke is, uh, you get respect uh, when you when you leave Canada. <laughs> because they're like, hey, you want your, show, your own name on the show? We're like, okay. And they're like, all you got to do is come back. So we kind of got to do what we wanted there. We weren't constrained by working. Oh my God, this cat is driving me nuts. I'm sorry. This cat is in heat. (laughs) That's the problem. Probably better to see it in front of you than, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's down by my leg now. Uh So um, what what we found out in those last four years of shows that had never happened before, at least once a week, both of us, one of us, if not both of us would end up laughing so hard during the show we would be in tears and tim our producer would be in our ear saying like guys this is a sports show this is a sports show please start 
doing a sports show. This is live television. <laughs> but when you when you're crying and you can't speak, that just it was just amazing. And um, we we had the most feedback from any of our shows in the last four years, especially like the clip that I will remember till the end of time is our gritty one where where we introduced gritty and then another mascot comes in named Slapshot, and then it just it just goes off a cliff and those are my favorite moments those moments that where you just can't control your laughter dan talk about the i mean you must have been so pumped to get the fox opportunity yeah you're down there um you're in la you're you're you got to be making great dough down there um and i left it all down there um what was the what was the best thing about that experience with fox and 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 let's go flip side here what was the worst thing about it for you oh that's easy the best thing was working at fox and working in american television for a conglomerate like that in which they treated you if you're on air if you're off air they treated you like royalty like uh, take for example our show fox sports live there was a million people on air but off air we would have seven, eight crew hands. We would have seven or eight camera operators. We've had two or three audio operators. We had four or five wardrobe department people. We had two makeup people. We had four lighting guys. That same show in Canada, you would have two camera operators and one makeup person. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, you, you don't understand the scale. And I always uh, look at uh, our, our dressing rooms we had. So we'd show up in flip-flops and shorts and T-shirts. We get to our dressing rooms. Jay and, he, Jay and I each had our own. Our suit for the night is hung up, freshly pressed, tie already in the shirt, belt in the pants, shoes laid out with your socks there. So you didn't have to think about it because their philosophy was we want you to just focus on your job and not have to worry about what you're even going to wear. It'll be all ready for you. So that was life working in LA was amazing. We drive on to the Fox lot, which is a full on studio lot. They're shooting movies. They're shooting TV shows. There's palm trees. Every time I drove in, I'm like, is this real life? Yeah. And as on the flip side, the, the, bad part about it was just the execution of the show. It was a three hour show each night hosted by Carissa Thompson with Gary Payton, Donovan McNabb, uh, Andy Roddick, uh, Gabe Kapler, who's now manager of the giants. Ephraim Salam, uh, all these people. And then Jay and I, so you've got to find out a spot for everyone. Um, and that was very difficult, especially when you have like 20 producers for one show. So we found out after a while, like uh, there was so many rehashes of the show. Okay, let's try this this night. And then the next night you're doing a different kind of show. You're like, well, what is happening here? And then the other aspect is trying, trying to find, oh, I'm sorry, guys, this cat is really going nuts. It's fine. Not a problem. <laughs> the, uh, the other aspect was trying to launch a new sports channel in the States when everyone's growing up with ESPN. Right. And when your channel's like, 1,862 on direct TV. How do you stumble upon that channel? Right. Yeah. So it's just finding an audience and the, the execution of the show, but working at Fox was absolutely spectacular. I, I would do it again in a heartbeat. I still remember watching an NFL broadcast and you guys were up next afterwards. And it was, uh, it was Joe Buck 
And he was doing the tee up for you guys coming up next. And, of course, he was sitting next to NFL Hall of Famer Troy Aikman, as he likes to always call him, uh, which he is. But they were laughing and saying, those two Canadian guys, man, it's kind of crazy, man. And then, and and I started laughing because I'm thinking, oh, those, there's our guys. But how tough was it to kind of get over this uh, – you know, we always talk about when American people come up to Canada, there's always a bit of a, well, he's an American guy. Did you ever have to do that? Well, he's a Canadian guy. Or those two Canadian guys are crazy. Like, how, how did no, you do no, we, that? No, no, we knew that. We knew that was how they'd always, and we're, we're proud of being Canadian. So we didn't mind that at all. It's just, we never got to do the show that we did in Canada. Right. Like I always say, if we got to airdrop our show from Canada down into the States, then it probably, sorry, no, I'm going off here. Uh, it probably would have worked a lot better, but that wasn't possible. So uh, we always knew we'd be the Canadians and whatever. We didn't, we didn't mind. We didn't shy away from it. We liked it. And we found out that uh, whenever we brought ketchup chips down there, <laughs> there's no in between on ketchup chips when you give them to an American for the first time. Really? It's love hate. And they can't get over the taste because we grow up with ketchup chips. So when people taste them, they're like, they're strong. Those are strong chips. And I'm like, yeah, those are ketchup chips. <laughs> it was very heavily divided. It was one side hated, one side really liked them. Well, sorry, Robin. The other thing, too, that Robin and I were talking before you, you joined us about the fact that there's also, when you're doing a show like you guys have done, and I know, man, I, I had a little different style about me when I was trying to do sports, and you always get that element of fan that is so hard-nosed and they don't want to think of sports as being, as I've often referred to it as the toy department of life. <laughs> yeah. It's whatever happens here is fun, but at the end of the day, this doesn't really matter very much, right? But you guys even took it to the nth degree. How often and how frustrating <laughs> was it for you guys to constantly being told, you know, you guys are funny, but just stick to the sports stuff? Because that, oh, yeah. that, I always hated hearing that. That always happens. It'll happen till the day we die. And we tell those people, we're like, but there's so many options out there. If you just want your highlights in sports, you can find those anywhere. So we're just doing a sports show that we would want to sit and watch at home with our buddies. And that's what we're doing. And then the other comment they'd say is you guys try too hard. I'm like, no, you are so wrong. We are not trying at all. The reason we're ad living and stuff is because we've been shooting the shit the whole time before the show. And uh, here we are. Here we are. So we put as much prep into the show as you did watching it. So uh, that's why we're doing this. This is why we're going off the cuff because we aren't prepared. So we aren't trying hard. That's what I always wa wanted to hammer home with people. We are not trying hard. We should try harder. You know, Dan, what I found, and I told Brim this earlier, I mean, I got to be honest the first time I recall hearing you guys, I was thinking, nah, I'm not sure if I like that style. Ah, I'm not sure if I like these guys. Yep. It didn't take me long being sort of crotchety and older. <laughs> and and I was like, you know, a straight, I mean, I was a typewriter and carbon paper trained J school guy uh, before ever anybody had a computer. I thought, ah, they got to play it straight. It didn't take very long till I, I thought these guys are pretty good. They're not forcing this. It sounds like they're just having fun. And look all these years later at what people are trying to do now when they get a choice about what they talk about and how they talk about it on podcasts. 
you get to say what you want, how you want. That was in some ways it was ahead of its time, wasn't it? Uh, I'd like to think so. Um, my uh, current bosses, the bet rivers guys, they actually used that term last week. They said, we think you guys were ahead of your time and, uh, the U S wasn't ready for you. And I'm like, well, there's a few problems went on there, but, uh, that's for another day, but it was very, if you gave it time, we grew on you. If you Mm. went in there and say, Nope, don't like these guys. And but if you gave it time, it would grow on you, I find. And our jokes would land because you're part of an inside community. There's inside jokes. And we pull back the the curtain on broadcasting and let you see the behind the scenes and tell you what was going on when stuff screwed up. We would point out the flaws in the show. And that's what people enjoyed was this isn't going to be a perfect show. We'd have to tell our producer that we're like, just let it be raw. Let mistakes happen. And eventually they listened to us and let us do the kind of version we wanted. And yeah, uh, we, we appreciate people that did give us some time to, to let us grow on them and other people that would watch out of just hating us. So I'm, I'm, if they're watching, it still works, right? It's still a number. Yeah. So with that, we had a, a lot of those people too, just tuning in to, to be mad at us. Hey, when I've often heard this, when you make more money, you get into more trouble. Uh, mm-hmm. How tough was it for you? All of a sudden you go salary wise from here to way up here. You found trouble. Everybody does. How'd you handle oh, yeah. all that? Uh, well, I got into uh, casual drinking into serious drinking. Uh, and then my wife and I, at the time we divorced. So when you're single and not even looking to mingle is just no one's counting your drinks and you're in LA. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. So and that just was a recipe for disaster. And, um, yeah, I went, uh, pedal to the metal and that's what, uh, that's what happens when you got money and you're dining at the Ritz and, uh, I, I, the Ritz, I was in Marina Del Rey. So the Ritz was right around the corner. People say, Oh, you're real fancy eating at the Ritz. I'm like, it was there. maybe $10 more, $10 more than an entree at Boston pizza or milestones. And I'm not even kidding. Cause they priced it. So locals would come. Right. So I'd have dinner there all the time. And then one night uh, a man was being belligerent with the bartender um, so I went over and I had a bunch of drinks into me. So I'm like, Hey buddy, like, come on, like, just be nice. Like, what are you doing? So I didn't think twice about it. A week later, I come back in there and that lady, she's like my knight in shining armor, Oh boy, my knight. In- so my pours on old fashions went from that much to a full glass yeah. each pour. So I'm like, Oh my God, what has she done? <laughs> so that, that was not good. That was not good. <laughs> I tell you, you know, that's funny. You'd mentioned that in particular, uh, Dan, we were down with the Oilers and, and uh, uh, slots like to stay at the same hotel. And mm-hmm. we were all sitting out in front. They were having a, they were having a, uh, this was during the cigar craze. Um, and they were having a big inside thing where you had to meet. And a couple of us were sitting out front. I think I was sitting with Ronnie Lowe and a couple of players and, and this G-Wagon pulls up with the limo tent on it. And we're thinking, and this guy hops out. We can't see who it was, but he, it was, he was a long-haired, pencil-thin guy with tats everywhere. Well, it's Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson. Oh, yeah. 
coming for the cigar night. And they sashayed by us and in, and we thought, this is pretty cool. A couple of players looked in and thought, nah, I don't know if that's going to be for us, but <laughs> that's that exact Ritz in that location. And it's not far from another place that, like you say, is only about $10 cheaper per. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's no blue whale. Yeah. Man, it's a place that we well, always used to hang out down there too. It, do, do you remember any uh, celebs that kind of caught you off guard by saying, Hey, aren't you so-and-so and so-and-so? Do you ever have that? Or no, no, it was always no. the other way around. <laughs> no, we, and it, it became commonplace to see celebs because you're at the Fox studio every day and you're working with Frank Thomas, you're working with Gary Payton, you're working with Andy Roddick. So their buddies would come in. Um, the first time I was only probably starstruck um, two times. One when Norm McDonald came on our show. Oh yeah. Which was unreal. Just seeing him in person. And he was so kind and so funny without even knowing it. Uh, well, he probably knew he was funny. Um, and then another comedian uh, duo that are brothers, the Sklar brothers that I watched, they did a show called Cheap Seats on ESPN Classics that I'd watch every night at work uh, because they just made fun of old ESPN programming. And it, I just thought it was the greatest thing ever. So when they came in, I was starstruck and we've actually become friends uh, since that time. So when athletes and Big athletes just keep coming in. It just becomes like, oh, okay, there's yeah. A-Rod. Yeah, he's here now. Oh, there's Max Scherzer. He's working on the show tonight. It, it became very strange. And plus, Conor McGregor, uh, he always be walking our halls. He was an analyst before anyone knew him as Conor McGregor. Huh. Walking around with a cane. He came on our podcast once. Ronda Rousey was always around there. Uh, just before she uh, became a massive superstar because we had the, the rights to the UFC. So all the UFC analysts would be on there. So it was just, uh, you talk about, uh, what would you say? Uh, the, the candy store, the sports being the candy store that, that was real life candy store yeah. for, for a sports enthusiast, uh, the Fox studio. Now you have those highs, Dan. I mean, when you get to go to Fox, like you said, for the, for the reasons you stated, uh, terrific gig, you have some fun, probably too much at times that happened yep. to the best of us. Um, that ends mm -hmm. I'm back home. I'm not, don't want to Coles notes things too much. Oh, here, we can. Yeah. It ends. Uh, you come home, uh, you're back on that ends as well. Mm -hmm. Now those are challenges. You also talked about having a good time. You've spoken publicly about, let me put it this way, eliminating things that cause you aggravation, um, you know, trying to fly a little straighter, shall we yep. say, in terms of what you're doing in your free time. That's a challenge for a lot of people, and some people never get through it. Um, uh, where are you in that uh, personally? Because that's important. You have to live your life long before any job you've got ends. Mm -hmm. uh, and and where, where do you feel, feel you are and where do you feel you're headed right now? I feel I'm in the best place I've ever been. And I can actually tell you down to the number because I keep this little app on my phone there. There's look at that. It keeps a little calculator. So one year, two months and 16 days uh, stone cold sober. And it's the best decision I ever did in my life because uh, I was laid off on a Wednesday and uh, that was Wednesday of Super Bowl week. So come Super Bowl Sunday, it was 
it was into the 10th gear of where the consumption of booze and weed was and friends and family were very wise. They didn't say like, okay, you need to stop. They just, I, I just thought there was a party everywhere I went and there was a party in my house, but people were just here to keep an eye on me. But I, I was so drunk and stone. I was like, all right, there's a party here. Jay came out one day. He's like, I'm like, this is great. Jay's here. But they were just keeping me close and keeping an eye on me. And then so I woke up on that Monday after the Super Bowl and I'm like, I need help because I was staring at for the first time in my adult life, not going into work at night. For 20 years, I had work to go to. So I wouldn't get home till two in the morning. So I'm like, okay, if my kids aren't here and I have no drink and I'm already having like a bottle and a half of wine or two, when I get home from work, what am I going to do if I'm nothing to distract me? Yeah. So that's where I'm like, okay, this needs to end. And then I went into a rehab uh, facility the next day. And that was on February 9th of 2021. So it's just admitting that you need to stop it. Yeah. Because some people, if they don't cut it right out, you'll say, oh, I didn't drink for two weeks. I get to reward myself. Then they'll go on a weekend bender. And then you're, and, but it's just cutting out the weed and alcohol, which I found out have great marketing departments because every movie or every commercial, they're like, oh, have a drink, relax, have a joint, relax. When those things provided 99% of my anxiety eliminate those and you actually live in the moment and little things like they add to anger and getting mad at things. Little things don't derail me now. And I just actually am in the moment and pay attention and, and, and go to dinners and take part in conversations instead of just trying to flag down a waitress to, to get the, or a waiter to get the, the next glass of wine. So I, it's the greatest thing I ever did in my life, I think. And you should be applauded for it. Every, it's tough, tough decision to make that step, boy. So uh, it is full, full marks to you. So now you've bounced back. So, okay. So let's talk about what you're doing right now. Let's talk first about the podcast you're doing. Let's get into that. The Boomsies, that sign yeah. was dropped off of my front door. A gentleman who's got a woodworking shop. He's nice. like, hey, Dan, uh, send me your logo. I uh, want to try out something. You got this new uh, machine. Yeah. Drops it off the next day on my doorstep. So it's called Boomsies. The reason being, one of our producers in LA, Sean Keegan, whenever something uh, big would happen on our show, uh, like a dunk or a big tackle or something, you say, oh, that's a Boomsies. Uh, Boomsies. So, I'm like, <laughs> so we started using it during our show. And I'm like, it's a perfect word because it's kind of like an exclamation point. So I'm like, let's name it Boomsies. It's easy to remember. And I like saying it. So, um, yeah, we started that and do it once a week, get whoever I feel like talking to at the time and, um, just, uh, pretty much shoot the shit and talk about what's on my mind. Some people have described what Bryn and I do as sort of just, it's like having a conversation. It's like yes. sitting down with, for uh, a Bailey's pardon. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I found Bailey's. But, I always love Bailey's and coffee. Give me yep. acid, acid reflux near the end. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know what they have in it. 50 buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, but you sit down and, and, uh, and we like that because Bryn always is morning show uh, anchoring the, the day for everybody. And I spent nine years with Gregor on the afternoon show, uh, 
So we never worked together. Well, this would be fun. Why don't we try it? We're two old guys. We've been both been shown the door. Get the hell out of here. We don't want you around anymore. Why don't we do this? And we just do what we do the way we want to do it. It's not, there's no shtick here. Um, it sounds to me like part of what you like about what you're doing now is the same thing. You just talk about what you want to talk about and and talk about it the way you want to talk about it. What better deal is there than that? And no restraints. Not that I go out of my way to bash like sponsors or anything, but if we'd say something on our old show, they'd be like, you can't say that. They're involved with Hockey Canada and we're involved with Hockey Canada. You can't say that. They're part of the broadcast and we do the Sens games. And I'm like, what the hell? I just want to just be able to talk and say whatever I want. If I see a rink board or something, I don't know. So it's great having no no restrictions at all on what I can can or can't talk about. And there's there's no sponsors that need to be appeased because we just have one in their gambling outfit. And um, I've already had the some people raising the concern. They're like, OK, so you battled addictions. Now you're presenting this uh, this gambling app. Well, what about that? That's a gambling addiction. So I actually get in conversations with these people. I'm like, OK, so let's let's take them out. Who can I get to advertise then? OK, do I get a fast food company? Well, that's uh, obesity. I can't get any booze or alcohol. I can't get cigarettes. Who do you get to advertise? Because then you're kind of limited. If you can't get fast food, you can't get gambling, you can't get weed, you can't get uh, uh, anything like that. So everything is kind of an addiction when it boils down to it. And then I point out on our old show, if you watch the commercials, all it was, was booze and fast food. And every, every team is, is powered by booze money. Yeah. So I, I don't know what, what, what do you say? Nope. Can't take that because it's booze. Can't take that. Cause it's gambling. Can't take that because it's fast food. Then what are you left with? Well, I keep telling people you have to have a passion for what you're talking about. If you're doing a podcast and you have to make a, a podcast that you love doing and that you're happy to do. And yes. I'm just starting to sense from what you're doing now that uh, your heart is in the right place again. And your focus sounds really solid as far as I'm concerned. And at the end of it, if you say, I really enjoyed doing that today, you win. And you know who else wins? Yeah. Everybody who downloads your podcast. And you know what I found out before when I said we didn't put any effort into our old show, I found because I have to do all the talking, I put more effort into this show than I ever did in my old job because uh, my name's on it and it's me filling all the time. So it's to try, make it entertaining. And I just wanted people to take an hour out of their day where just they can take their mind off their problems and they're like, Ah, shit. He used to be on TV and the same shit happens to him. Okay. Yeah. So life isn't, life isn't so bad. It shit happens to everyone. Well, and I don't mean to sound like uh, grandpa on the porch uh, <laughs> giving advice here, but I'd like advice. But down, down what I found is, is pretty straightforward, especially in today with social media. Um, there's some people who, I guess they, it makes their day to be against something, to be mm -hmm. upset about something, to be outraged by something. To me, if you're true to yourself and those values aren't way off in left field somewhere, um, that's the way to go. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, be true to yourself. Be honest. Be able to look people in the eye if they have a problem with it, because you're not going to please the vocal minority out there. Right. If you try to your yeah. Well, when people say ignore the haters and then other people point out, they're like, well, people do that because there's hurting so much inside that they want to try to make someone else hurt. And then I'm like, then I feel bad for them. Like, I want to help this person. Like, why do you have so much anger? As I say to them, if I disliked an actor or an athlete or someone, I would never in a million years think of finding them online or finding something they've worked on to yeah. tell them I didn't like it why, why spread that into the world when you can watch and say, well, that's not my cup of tea. I'm going to go watch something else instead of, I'm going to tell him I don't like this show at all. Yeah. Okay. It's funny. (laughs) Something happened to me on the drive in today. So here's a family mandate on our vehicle at this time of year. It's called an oiler car, a car flag, right? Yeah. So now they're into the postseason. hasn't started yet, but they're in. So Mm -hmm. I was asked on the weekend, when is the car flag going up? I put it up yesterday. So I'm driving in today to the studio here downtown, and some guy next to me rolls his window down and says, so uh, what's with the car flag? That kind of (laughs) sucks. This is what the guy said to me, and I laughed. I said, you maybe need to be a little more positive in life in general. It's a Monday morning. (laughs) Get a coffee or something, buddy. Yeah. And rolled my window up, and I started laughing. But he just seems so serious about it. One of the things you're going to love about this podcast for you is that the only people who are going to listen to you are people that want to listen to you. Yes. And they're having fun with what you're doing. Like w- the comments we get from even our guests is, you guys just sound like you're sitting around with a coffee or a beer or whatever, mm-hmm. and you're shooting the shit talking about sports and talking about people that I've known who cover sports and athletes. Isn't that what we really, at the end of the day, really want to do? There's no reason to be so critical about what other people do. A thousand percent. Couldn't agree more. You know, why, why the fuck do you have the flag on your car? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, what's the what's the deal with the flag, Brand? <laughs> support your city is I get it. And I, and I love the fact that the guys want that. It's a, it's it's a fun thing. Hey, but yeah. before we let you go, you're watching yep. what's going on in sports these days. Is there yeah. anything? It was tough losing. I have a picture of Gila Fleur up here. Oh, and uh, losing the flower and Mike Bossy here in the last week and a half. That's pretty tough for a lot of us. Oh, I actually uh, become good friends with uh, Chris Nyland uh, over the past year and a half. And he and I did a little uh, thing during the, the Hab Stanley Cup run. We did an Instagram live thing and we came very close. And I talked to him, I believe it was the night after that uh, Guy passed. And, and Chris was taking it pretty hard. And just hearing his raw emotion and talking about what a great human Guy was and he told the story how he used to to fly helicopters around he delivered helicopters because he worked for a company that made helicopters and i'm like imagine that Guy lafleur showing up with your new helicopter and then if you if you accepted the helicopter and then he left before anyone came out and they're like yeah Guy lafleur dropped it off imagine how many people thought the person telling them was insane. They're like, yeah, Guy LaFleur dropped off the helicopter. Sure, bud. But he just yeah. had time for anyone and everyone. And that's what made him a true superstar because uh, there's, there's only ever going to be one Guy LaFleur. Playoffs. Who do you like? Who's going to win it all this year? I have no clue at this it's point. It's crazy, huh? Colorado? 
They could, but they looked they looked mortal against the Edmonton Oilers on Friday night. Lost again yesterday. They've now lost four in a row. Maybe they're just coasting going into the playoffs. But you, I, and Robin, and then all Toronto know. loses the other night to yeah. Tampa badly, and then come back against Florida. Kind of is Florida for real? Like I, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be a blast. Calgary it's Flames. Be the first round, the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is maybe the greatest playoffs in any sport. That first round is chaos, and I love it. Dan, how how about the Edmonton Oilers, led by soon-to-be uh, Hart Trophy winner Connor McDavid? Uh, well, I was having this discussion with a friend the other night. This Did anyone expect this from Evander Kane? Oh, I know. So he's going to he's going to sign long term, and then here's another thing we talk about Evander Kane. He has played in markets now that are off the beaten path of yeah. Edmonton, Buffalo, and what's this other one? Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Yep. And those San Jose, kind of. Those are three cities in which if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And look where he makes it. He makes it in Edmonton. I did not expect that. I thought that was the worst signing in the history of hockey, like everyone else. And now he's going to turn this into four more solid years of a contract. Well, it's also going to cause some issues here with, uh, yes, uh, Pulley Arvey's deal coming up. It's uh, and Yamamoto's deal coming up. It's uh, it's really going to make things more complex for the general manager here. And uh, you know what? I think Kenny Holland's excited by that, quite frankly. <laughs> I think he's got to love for, that. For real? That's what I, I just, you know, they're going to have some cap issues. But as a GM, don't you want to have to put fires out like this? This is a good fire. To put out. Yeah. So you like chaos, I guess. I guess I wouldn't. I'd want everyone sign at least seven years and then you got nothing to worry about and you can sit back and watch some hockey. Yeah. And the debate is it's obvious and nobody being perfect had that set up front. How do you reconcile a bringing in a player like Kane, who I was dead set against for yes. off ice, not on ice? Is he a terrific player? Absolutely. But I just said, oh man. Does that room come apart? Is he a problem? He always seems to be a problem. Not every rap he gets is legit, but there's so many of them. Some of mm-hmm. them have to be. Don't bring this guy in and screw things up. What does he do? So far, it sounds like he's flying straight. He's playing great. So mm-hmm. if you're the GM, how do you reconcile that? Do I b- try and move things around to keep Evander Kane here and piss off half of my fans who think he's a bad guy, you shouldn't assign him in the first place? Or do you assign the guy who can help you win your hockey games? Well, right now, everyone's forgotten, <laughs> quietly forgotten about uh, all the off-ice stuff for Evander Kane. Yeah. <laughs> when you score a hat trick, and how many has he scored now as an oiler? 20? Yeah. Yeah, they have people, uh, he's, he's a, a new, no, he's not remodeled. He's, he's, what am I the well, word? He's I'm reinvented himself like we reinvented all had him. to do. Yes, there we go. Yeah, so. And by the way, is no one mentioned in the Toronto Maple Leafs? I well, was just going to mention the Leafs. I'm not a fan, I'm going to have to deal with that. I have to deal with the, the Leafs talk here, and it's it's endless. Yeah, and Austin's <laughs> having a great year. Uh Robin brings this has brought this up now over the last four weeks, and that's the Hart Trophy uh, nominees because it's like there's a list of ten of them, not three of them anymore. Yeah, there's ten guys, and I wouldn't have a problem with any ten of them. But it's starting like the 
here as we go into the last week of uh of and Evander Kane is on that list for you putting him on that list <laughs> get out of here hey listen uh thanks for your time we will not, now that we got you we're gonna have yep. you again uh we got to get your uh, former partner on a little bit too because he's an Alberta boy yep. and everything we got to get him tracked sure. down uh, what's your cat's name by the way uh that was uh Remy that was uh trying to hump the microphone uh there's two other ones they did not make an appearance Rory and Ron all R's. Okay, what's, That's I, Remy. What's with the R's, by the way? Was there, was I don't know. My, my kids name them. Okay, I, don't right. I, I don't ask questions. Of course, they also said they'd look after these cats. These cats uh, would never be fed if it wasn't for me. And so I've got three cats. Yeah. No, that's how it always works. It's the kid's dog or the kid's cat until... They get a little yeah. older and then everybody... I made them do a Google search. I'm like, what constitutes a crazy cat person? What number? And it's five or more. So oh, I'm I two away from a crazy cat. That. Hey, great to see you're doing well. Uh, great to see you on the comeback trail again. And the best part about broadcasters is I love watching guys on the comeback trail numerous times because that's how this business works. So uh, good for you. Don't forget toy department of life, toy department of life. Got it. Super. Got it. Thanks for your time, man. Thanks, Bryn. Thanks, Robin. This has been fun. So here we are. It's the spring. And hey, look who's in the studio. Brent McIntosh from the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. How you doing? I'm well. How are you, Brent? Great. It's nice to have you in here. The spring is here. And things are getting busy. Spring has sprung and the market is on fire, Bryn. Absolutely incredible. For single family houses anyway in Edmonton. Really? And it's just kind of flipped the switch, huh? I've never seen an increase in values this much in the last 30 days, absolutely incredible. Edmonton's uh, growth for the single family market. And and I, I can't put a pinpoint on why, but it's pretty awesome if you own a house in Edmonton. Now with the economy the way it is, and it's just kind of crazy right now with everything that's going on in the world, how is that affecting us? That's a great question. Um, do you want some time to think about I it? I do, yeah. I, I don't know if... if you know, it's not like Edmonton's completely insulated from everything, but yeah, you know, when we when if we're talking about the Russian war, for example, and, and the yeah. price of oil, that's nothing but a good thing for all of Alberta. So that's going to drive the house unfortunate prices. positive of that's a right. horrible negative. It, of of course, uh, every time you pay more at the gas pump, it's it's brutal as a family, but pretty good for the economy. Yeah. So how do people get, I know, how do people get involved? If they're thinking about it, now's the time to move, right? Well, definitely. If you're thinking about selling, I can't think of a better time to give us a call. We're at 780-464-0075. And either myself or one of my team members would be happy to meet with you to talk about the sale of your property. What about getting an evaluation done on their house if they're looking at selling? Yeah, that's where we'll start. Completely complimentary. No obligation. And we'll come, we'll sit down, we'll talk about the value, we'll show what's going on with the market. And we'll even give you the seller some tips on how to get the most out of their house. Perfect. So once again, how do people get a hold of you? 780-464-0075 or on the web, macintoshgroup.ca. And here you are in the sports thing. It's yeah. nice to have you here. Well, I, I, I love watching you guys do the sports show. Excellent. Thanks. So there you go. That's another episode of The Outsiders powered by the Macintosh Group at REMAX River City. Well, it was fun today. It was great to catch up. It's been too long talking to Dan O'Toole, but it was nice that he took the time to chat with us today, Robin. Yeah, absolutely. You know what's really good to hear is that it sounds like, you know, Dan's in a good place. Everybody knows what he's done as a broadcaster to this point. That that uh, book is not finished yet, but... Uh, you know, whether it's this podcast or 
just getting his feet back under him after leaving TSN for that second time. He just sounds like he's in a better place. And that's what you want to hear from a person. Yeah, he's gone through some personal struggles, and so it's great to see him coming out the other side here, uh, smelling like a rose. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun today. We will have to try to track Jay down too to hear his <laughs> side of the story because mm-hmm. Jay's a fun story as well. So hey, uh, before we go, let's sum a few things up here. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is quite simple. It's at Outsiders Twenty Twenty. Also, make sure you tell your friends and subscribers to check our RSS feed out on any of your favorite ear candy sites like Apple, Spotify, Google, Pocket Casts, etc., etc. We're also on YouTube, too, if you want to hear it there. Uh, Robin records from his Lucky Sam studio in southwest Edmonton. I'm downtown Edmonton, a hockey puck throw away from Rogers Place at the <laughs> Road 55 studio in downtown. And uh, you're... Uh, your support's greatly appreciated. We've been getting a lot more feedback lately, and it's uh, fantastic. The biggest thing we've got to tell you is for us to get bigger and better, it's really essential that you retweet your buds and uh, tell them where you're here in the podcast, but it just continues to grow, and uh, that's sensational. Anything we're missing, Robin? I know that the I, next well, time we come on here, we're going to be talking playoff matchups. Yeah, holy cow. Well, that's better than the alternative, though, isn't it? Well, you mean by not having a local team in there? Yes. We still would have talked about the hockey playoffs, but uh, it's fun having both the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers in the postseason. Two teams in my book who have uh, more than a puncher's chance. I don't think these are long shots who need everything to go right for them to advance uh, down the playoff trail. I like Calgary. I like Edmonton. We'll see where it goes. See, Colorado for me is a favorite, but have shown some signs of mortality, uh, being mortal rather, over the last little while. Uh, the co- the Colorado situation is that way. You take a look at other teams. Minnesota scares the living crap out of me. They, they just <laughs> seem to uh, be clicking at just the right time. Watch St. Louis play the other night. It's going to be a dogfight in the West. And the East... We've, we're looking at an NHL record, eight teams over 100 points at the time of this taping. Yeah. And uh, that's an NHL record. That's never happened before. So the East is going to be a, a dogfight as well. So it's all going to be a, a blast. And I look forward to next week. Okay, Robin. So that's it. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. <laughs> that was my pregnant pause, Bryn. <laughs> I, I didn't it was uncomfortable. feel the need. It was very I uncomfortable. To, I didn't feel the need to follow up your brilliance with anything right Brilliance? There. Oh, my God. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. See you. Bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. Road 55.